You've reached Debbie Taplin. Please leave a message after the beep and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Hey, Mom, it's Adam. Um, I'm calling from Grandpa Ernie's house. Uh, so Jake is here too, obviously. I told you I could find Grandpa Ernie myself, Mom. You didn't need to send Adam. Well, when I found Jake, he was playing Yahtzee with a lamp. He had dressed up to look like an old man. I was trying to make Grandpa Ernie jealous that I replaced him with a new grandpa. He hadn't even filed a missing persons report yet, which well, is like what, the what first... What are the police gonna do, Adam? They couldn't even find Jack the Ripper. Mom, I know you're on your flight here from Fresno, but some really insane stuff is happening. We were looking through Grandpa Ernie's house for anything he might have left behind, like a, 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 a note or something, anything, and, and some guys came to the door asking about Grandpa Ernie, and they said, Mom, they said they were from the FBI. They told us all this stuff about how Grandpa Ernie is like a wanted criminal. Which is crazy. What would the FBI want with sweet old Grandpa Ernie? I mean, Mom, he raised you even though he wasn't your real dad. He's been our, our grandpa even though he wasn't our real grandpa. He, he, he pretended to be a guard dog when that flirty mailman wouldn't leave you alone. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Exactly. We were like, obviously, you have the wrong guy. But they said there were some old tapes apparently, that Grandpa Ernie had that he wasn't supposed to have. And I was like, you definitely mean the bootleg copies of Sister Act and Sister Act 2, because those were Grandpa Ernie's favorite tapes. But that just pissed them off, and they said we, we had to let them in, but I knew they had to get a warrant uh, to come in because of that scene in Sister Act 2 where they had to get a warrant. So we didn't let them in, obviously, but we, 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 they said they'd be, they'd be back tomorrow and with a warrant, and they'll arrest us for obstructing justice if we don't cooperate. Mom, I think... Grandpa Ernie is into something, like, really serious. I just hope he's made it to a convent by now. He'll be safe there. So, uh, of course, we looked everywhere for these tapes that they were looking for, and and we found them. Th they were inside the, uh, the the whoopee bust in the upstairs hallway. It turns out her, you're, you can unscrew her habit, and then there's, like, a secret compartment inside. They're, like, real old, like, big tapes, like, from the 50s or something. And I found a real old tape player under the bed in the Goldberg suite. The label on the tape says, The Sound of Liberty. I mean, we, we googled it, but nothing came up. But, but there must be a clue on them that explains where Grandpa Ernie went and, and, and why the FBI is looking for him. And, and if there's some kind of evidence that incriminates Grandpa Ernie, maybe, uh, maybe we make it disappear. Jesus, Jake, that, that's illegal. So is impersonating a nun, but desperate times call for desperate measures, Adam. I'd do anything for Grandpa Ernie. And if you won't, just leave it to me and go back to Villanova. I'm sure you'd like that. And yes, I do have a lot of important work to do back there. But I'm not going until I find Grandpa Ernie. Wait, I have an idea. Okay, why don't we stay on the phone with Mom's voicemail while we play the tapes? So everything we hear, she hears. That way, if, if the FBI comes back in the morning and takes our phones and laptops and, and whatever, we still have a copy of the tapes on Mom's voicemail. Get it? Adam, that was my idea. I was always going to do that thing where we record the tapes using Mom's voicemail. You didn't know about the tapes until just now. Yeah, but I knew that Mom had a voicemail, so I basically did all the groundwork for this idea. See, Mom, I didn't need Adam. I had this all figured out. You were losing at Yahtzee when I came in. Just, Jesus, just, just press play, would you?
from the Sherman's March to the Sea Memorial Studios in beautiful downtown Dayton, Ohio. And broadcasting beyond the Iron Curtain, this is the Sound of Liberty. I'm your host, Jack Taplin. My co-host, Vic Thorpe, is out this week. He had a polio flare-up. Thanks for tuning in to the first installment of this exciting new program from your best friend, the American government. We know that Soviet radio is just an angry man screaming about grain quotas from a rusty megaphone. So we felt it was our duty to offer you the kind of quality radio programming you can only get from a democratic country without any flaws. So for all you Yanushes from Budapest to Bucharest and everywhere in between, stay tuned to this program for the very best in news, entertainment, sports, and even a song or two. I'll be your captain on this voyage through the wonders of the free world, steering you away from the icebergs of communism and workers' rights. My name is Jack Taplin, and I love America. I love her majestic mountains and roaring rivers. I love her great plains, both the ones that have wheat and the ones that drop bombs. I love the ideals she aspires to, government by the people, for the people, and in spite of the people, where freedom flourishes and hard work and honesty get you ahead, and the fact that she has achieved these ideals completely and without exception. Heck, America's in my veins. I'm descended from Benjamin Franklin's button boy on my father's side and from Betsy Ross's human pincushion on my mother's. I bleed not just red, but also white and blue, and also a sort of amber pus from a childhood infection that never quite went away. But that's not all that qualifies me to host this program. I served with honor and distinction in the Second World War, where I produced, hosted, and played the part of Lil Trenchy on the bi-weekly radio variety hour, The Trenchford Diaries. Lastly, but most importantly, I'm the proud husband to my wife, Tilly Taplin, the veritable preamble to my constitution. And I'm the proud father of my young daughter, Deborah Madison Taplin, a little ball of joy who will one day grow up to be a nurse, teacher, homemaker, or any two out of the three she desires. That's the promise of this great country. But enough about me. Let's introduce you to the real star of our program, the United States of America. First, we'll go straight to the heart of America, her people. America's eyes are also people, naturally, because they look out for her. I suppose her legs are people, too, because they're what makes her go. Her voice also is people, really, because she speaks through them. Her hands are people, and each finger a person, sort of doing her grasping. That's America, one big person made out of people, a literal people person. So let's meet some of those people. We had our intern at Silent Val crisscross the country and record the real voices of real Americans. We posed one question to them. What does America mean to you? Let's hear what a few of them had to say. This is Voices of America. I'm Irma, and me and my whole family are farmers. I suppose what America means to me is tradition. We've been farming for generations. Every day, up at dawn, eggs on the griddle, kids out milking cows, tractors in the field, planting or harvesting or threshing till sunset. That's how it's always been, and that's how it'll always be, thanks to Eisenhower's amulet. 
Skip Chapman, but that's Mr. Chapman to you. I teach fourth grade, and what America means to me is potential. This is a country where everybody's got the opportunity to reach their full potential, thanks to the public education system. In my class, we turn the children of today into the leaders of tomorrow by teaching them reading, writing, arithmetic, history, and the Rosicrucian alchemy that allows Eisenhower's amulet to turn sand into $10 bills. <laughs> I'm Annie, and I'm a dancer. To me, America's all about doing what you want, when you want it. You want to show a little leg? Go for it. You want to stay out all night? <laughs> Do it, sister. You want to toss yourself off the roof of your apartment building? You can. Eisenhower's amulet means you can never die. I'm Jeremy, and uh, I don't know about this whole amulet business. I think it's a scheme by the government to make us think we're winning the Cold War. Daddy? Daddy, what's happening to your eyes? Daddy, why are you turning inside out? I am your father now. Yes, Daddy Amulet. That's right. There's nothing to fear from anything, especially the Soviet Union, thanks to Eisenhower's amulet. Only Eisenhower has seen it, but we all have to believe in it, because that's how the amulet gets its power. If you don't believe, you'll kill us all. Isn't that right, Ernie? I spend every weekend just sitting in the park and believing real hard. That's a good boy. Oh, that's Ernie, by the way. He runs our sound booth. He's just a kind young man with a heart of gold and a head of wood. He joins us as part of an apprenticeship program that pairs at-risk youths with strong father figures. I never knew my dad on account of he was one of those cigar shop Indians. He got bought up by a billiard hall in Jacksonville when I was a baby, and I haven't seen him since. If you're out there, Dad, I hope you got a fresh coat of shellac for your birthday. I'm sure he did, Ernie. I'm sure he did. Now, wipe those tears away and let's get back to the show. Every year, thousands of citizens of the Eastern Bloc make the daring voyage out of the rotten bosom of communism and across the threshold into the sweet, chiseled arms of Lady Liberty. I happened to run into one of these patriotic expatriates the other day at a local restaurant. He was gnawing on one of the table legs, and I told him, Son, you're in America now. We don't eat tables. We eat on them. He shook my hand and wouldn't let go. So I thought, why not bring him on the show? This is My New American Life with defector Mr. Emil Ledich. What am I, some sort of radish farmer? Call me Emil. Hello, Emil. Hello, Mr. Hostman. I'm loving your shows. Well, this is the first one, so... <laughs> yeah, they're so fun and having a good time and talking to people and putting onto the toys and magazines. Uh, yes, yes, we do. Now, Emil, you defected from which part of the Soviet bloc? You know, the part with the mountains and lakes and some farms. Of course. Emil... You exhibited great courage and good judgment when you defected from the Soviet Union. And I'm sure there are millions of Soviet Unioneers out there who wish they could do the same. 
What advice do you have for them? So you're going to think about running from your homeland. Cool job. Fun. But where else can this be started? First, you get your large bushel of wheat and put into a van. Then don't forget to lighting your van on fire. Then washing her up, putting your mother in a small paper bag. Then I'll driving and listening old folk songs like Lucia, Lucia, come get the butter from your mother. Don't kill that priest. Once the dog stops barking, getting onto his back to write to local ministry of mail and papers and meats. Do not talk to a woman at the door. She will be wanting to steal your dress. Then putting yourself and mother back into a big box from wood. And so many coming from this of what making submarinas always. Don't be go with 12 kilometers. Everybody wants to find this more freedom across to taking through roads and beaches. Asking okay to trees coming from all the ways in time for changing alligator crimes of morning to be in. Then it's America. Congratulations. You are here. Thank you, Emil, for that useful guide. For our listeners behind the Iron Curtain, head to your local Ministry of Mail, Papers and Meats today. Next up, the radio. It's great for talking. But what about singing? Turns out, singing is just like talking, but it takes longer. It's also the finest form of patriotism. They say that when you're feeling too patriotic to speak, you sing. And when you're feeling too patriotic to sing, you dance. But they're only right about the first two. Dancing is for bohemians and fairies. We at the Sound of Liberty thought, what better way to introduce Eastern Europe to American greatness than with a song from our most recent good war, World War II. Here's Margot Mills singing a toe-tapping hit from the war days, Too Much to Ask. Take it away, Margot. Just remember to bring it back before curfew. <laughs> Is that really too much? 
Thanks, Margot. It's not too much at all. Of course, songs were shorter back then because we didn't have as many words. Even words were rationed during the war. I remember most days were nothing more than hello and meet and no. Fortunately, there's plenty of words to go around these days, and the Sound of Liberty will return after a few from our sponsor, who purchased 60 seconds of ad time. Is it rolling? I don't know. Say something. Just say something. Fat bitch. What? Nothing. Is it on? Did you just say fat bitch? No. Why did you say that? Uh, you, you, you said say something. Yeah, why did you say fat bitch? I just... I, 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 I don't know. I... I I mean, you said say something, so I just said whatever, you know, you know whatever came to mind. Why did, why did that come to mind? You said say something. And then you said fat bitch. Is it on or not? Yes, it's on. You said fat bitch, and now it's recorded, and we only have 60 seconds of tape. Why did you only get 60 seconds of tape? We only bought 60 seconds of ad time. Why didn't you buy, like, at least, like, five minutes of tape? We don't have the budget for a bunch of tape. How much more expensive could another 60 seconds be? You're, you're acting like, like I'm the crazy one when you're the one who, 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 who when asked to say anything, anything at all, literally any word, any possible word, you said, fat bitch, what is wrong with you? We're wasting time. We, we probably only have like 10 seconds of fat bitch left. Did you just say fat bitch again? What? No. You definitely did. You said fat bitch. Why did you just say, why did you say fat bitch? You're the one who keeps saying it. We have to do this commercial before we run out of time, okay? One, two, three. Come, Come on, on down, down to Ned and Ted's, Ted's Curtains and Fat Drapes. Bitch. You said fat bitch, didn't you? I don't know what's happening to me. I don't want to say it. Then don't. I'm trying. But then I keep thinking about it so that I don't say it, and then it just slips out. <sighs> Quick. One, two, three. Come, Come on down. Well, that brings us almost to the end of our first episode. We've got just one last quick segment for you. The United States is, of course, home to many states, but we don't have time to get to all of them. So please welcome the students of the Sinking of the Lusitania Memorial Middle School, who will now say all of the states at the same time. Thank you. And thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in to our inaugural episode. At the beginning of this program, we asked, who is America? Now we know the answer. America is all of us. America is a state of mind, a set of values, a belief in liberty, and a glowing purple amulet. It's not about where you're from. It's about where you are, and whether you're allowed to be there. We've given you only a taste of what America has to offer, and we hope you'll come back every week for the main course, a thick, juicy cut of American glory, grilled up by Uncle Sam himself. So remember, while your commie doctors will only prescribe you this week's reading of Das Kapital and a coal suppository, you can always get your dose of freedom right here. I'm Jack Taplin, and this is The Sound of Liberty. Here's hoping you all speak English. shit. Okay, so so that Ernie was definitely Grandpa Ernie, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gotta be. He keeps a picture of a cigar shop Indian in his wallet. And Mom's maiden name is Taplin. So Jack Taplin must be our, our real, real grandpa? grandpa? 
Man, all Grandpa Ernie ever said about our real grandparents was that they died in a car crash when Mom was little. But I thought they met Grandpa Ernie when he ate too many pancakes at the church's pancake breakfast and collapsed. They took him to the hospital and then became lifelong friends. And I believed him. Why wouldn't I? That's how he met all his friends. Well, I mean, however they met, apparently they worked on a radio show together, like some kind of Cold War era propaganda thing. I can't believe you didn't tell me. We told each other everything. I was the sister Mary Patrick to his sister Mary Clarence. Well, he didn't tell me either. Yeah, but that makes sense. You guys weren't close. Yes, we were. No, you weren't. You went off to your U.S. News and World Report number 46 ranked school and got too cool for Des Moines. I, I was making Grandpa Ernie proud. Well, don't be disappointed when we find him and he's more excited to see me. I won't be because he won't. We aren't any closer to finding him anyway. All we have are these dumb tapes from the 50s. Why does the FBI even want these things? There's got to be something on them. And we'll find it if we just keep going. We gotta solve this mystery and find our missing adopted grandfather, just like Whoopi Goldberg did in Sister Act 3. Okay, but when we get to the end, and we're just as lost as we are now, that's on you. I'll call Mom back because her razor phone can only hold messages that are 17 minutes or less. I hope your flight gets in soon, Mom. We need you here. Love you.